0: Oh, are you waiting on me? I had to, I had to awaken to tonight's message. <laughs> last night, just for review and a recap, and then for those of you who maybe couldn't make it last night, glad you're here tonight. If I just jump straight in, you'll be like, who is Megan? We talked about Megan last night. She was vertically challenged, sweet smile, gentle spirit, fell in love with a man, got married to him, and then all of a sudden, just like that, he changed. Due to an unfortunate car accident with a um, drunk driver, T-boned into her and her husband's personality was impacted greatly by that. Uh, at the same time, he lost his short-term memory. She has to, on a daily basis, set 36 alarms for him throughout the day, upwards of three dozen. 36 seems like a odd number, but she just said three dozen, I did the math. Uh, anyway, so she's got like, all these alarms on his smartphone telling him, of course, when to get up. That's the first one. And then when he goes to the store, he's got an alarm that tells him to go to the store, what to buy when he gets to the store, and then to remind him to go back home. I don't know. I don't know all of the alarms that she has, but she says it's, it's amazing all of the little details she has to put into his phone to make sure that he's going through his day okay. People at work where she works. They have no clue the burden that she has to bear. People at her church who sit next to her on Sunday morning service, they don't even have a clue. And she's like, I don't want to be that person who walks around going... It just makes me think, where in my church fellowship is Megan seated in the congregation where I haven't even been privileged to understand that there's a struggle there? And it's a good reminder... To folks like me who are so, I mean, I'm flying at 3,000 feet half the time. I don't even notice that if someone came in uh, with their head shaved all of a sudden. You know, I'd be like, uh, something's different. Maybe you got a haircut. I don't know exactly, whatever. Well, we as Christians also need alarms. And some Christians, we said, maybe just need to set a couple alarms a day and other Christians need to set maybe 36 or 42 alarms and that has nothing, there's no connection. Like, I'm spiritually mature, I only need two alarms. And this person's over here going, I'm just a weak person and I need 37 alarms. Whatever. doesn't matter, just figure out how many alarms you need. As we are focusing on that key word, awaken, this weekend... We talk about the most important alarm that every person on the planet needs to have set at a regular basis and that is the alarm of salvation and the gospel. If you're not yet redeemed, you need that alarm because that's the most important decision you'll ever make in life. God the Father asking, God the Creator asking His creation, what are you going to do with my son Jesus Christ? The most important alarm we will ever set in our lives is the gospel. I talked yesterday about my own spiritual immaturity and how there were times when a pastor would get up to preach and and he would say, tonight we're going to speak about the gospel. And my countenance would fall. And I'd go, again? It's like all this guy ever wants to talk about is the cross. Recently, in my church, I, I, I build relationships with young people. I enjoy—I think—I I think I enjoy young people because I think the way they think, not not culturally, just mentally. That's so that's as far as I've made it so far. So, like eight year eight years old, that's my sweet spot, right around that eight year old time. And I had a young person like that come to me recently, and and she said to me, she said, "Brother Colin." Remember what you were talking about? How the gospel seems kind of... I don't want to say the gospel's boring. I know that's not how you say it, but I, the gospel's boring. What a reflection of where she is at that moment spiritually. Do you want to know what my advice to anybody in this room who goes <sighs> the gospel? By the way, you're normal. Uh, that would be the first thing I would say: is you're normal. It is a Easy tool of our enemy to get us thinking that if we've already heard the story of the gospel, if we've already heard it 50 times, it's old hat now. Move on to something bigger and better and new and shinier. My advice to anybody who's struggling with finding maybe the gospel a little boring is the same advice my sweet wife gave me when we were in Bible college. And I, I, I said, we were dating, and I, I confided in her. I said, I need you to, uh, I need you to help me out here because I, I, I love Jesus. She said, good. I said, I love people. She said, good. I said, but I find the Bible just a little bit boring. That's where my then girlfriend, now wife should have put on her running shoes and head for the hills. She, she should have looked at me and said, you're in Bible college. That's what she's you, know, you? It's like you're in dental school and you hate teeth. So she asks me, very wise, very gentle, spiritual gift of mercy, bless his heart. If I don't marry him, nobody else will. That was kind of the way we, we got started. She said, have you have you told the Lord that you're struggling with that? Now, sometimes, you know, we get we get a little self-deluded, right? I've got a a buddy, a Christian friend of mine who says, choose your delusion wisely because we've all got them. So just choose yours wisely. And I was a little deluded at that moment. And without even thinking, you know, I know it's hard for you to imagine that I might say something without thinking, but it just it came right off my lips. And I said, well, I don't want God to know. As as the words took a U-turn into my own ears, I thought, you are the dumbest man on the planet. And I was right. <laughs> so I at that moment, and here's the funny part, though, is as I'm talking to people, I find out that <laughs> I used to think I was alone, but I, I find we don't really want to talk about it because it's not cool to talk about. But the best thing to do, whether you're finding for me, it was the Old Testament, some of the some of those Old Testament passages, I remember the book of Numbers. Oh, snorefest! And I met a guy. His name was Phil. He was a pastor, so we called him Pastor Phil. He said to me, he said, have you read the book of Numbers lately? And then I went, no, I just thought it'd be boring because it's all about numbers and synthesis. He said, no, you've got to read it. So I went and read it. You know what? I love the book of Numbers. My favorite Old Testament guy is right there in the middle of numbers in like 20 ish, 22, somewhere around in there. My my absolute like when we get to heaven, we all talk about y'all go stand in line for Paul and Timothy and I'll get around to those guys. But the first guy I'm going to see hardly anybody's going to be in line for because you just don't know because he's in numbers. But it's a very exciting story. Um, I went to the Lord that night and I just said, Lord, I know this is um, you already know it. You know, my heart but I want to confess it out loud so that I know You know it, so that the spiritual beings in this room, both good and bad, know that I know it. And to invite Your Holy Spirit, would You give me a passion for Your Word? That was the sum total of my prayer that night. That's the same advice I would give to this young lady in our church. Would you give me a passion for Your Gospel? (laughs) Ask any parent on the planet. if, If they're if their child were to come and say to them, hey daddy, could you help me appreciate you more? Uh, Yeah. I, w- I wouldn't scold my, my children for coming to me and I'll walk you through that one. Let me tell you what I've done here. Let me tell you what I've done here. But of course, God, the father is going to put his arm around us and gently lead us along through that. And he did. And anybody who's met me now, I mean, my D group, if they were up here and I've only got like a dozen or so middle school kids and we're all in there and we're being babysat by my wife and we're talking about Jesus and we're studying scripture together. But they would all tell you to a person that colon geeks out over God's word. This is an amazing library of 66 books in two testaments written by several different authors to several different audiences. And I just have a love relationship not just with the God of the Bible, but with the Bible itself. Last night I was connecting with one of your dear saints. I won't tell you who it was, but he's on the second row right here. And he was talking about how he's reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and there was a verse that just jumped off the page and it was 3D. Man, I love it when that happens. Have you ever been reading the Scriptures all of a sudden just from out of nowhere the Holy Spirit hijacks your Bible reading and you're like, "Woo!" And you go to another Christian and you go, hey man, look! And they go, uh-huh. No, 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 look! And they go, uh-huh. <sighs> you're not getting it! And they're like, what do I need to do to get you to calm down and let me get back to my day? By the way, welcome to the world of a preacher. <laughs> because that's what we're doing. We're up here going, no, look, really! And you're like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Go, just what do I need to do Wrap it up. Do I need to go to the altar? I'll I'll go to the altar. Just tell me what I need to do. Well, there's a second alarm. That that first alarm was salvation. Last night we talked about justification. That first aspect, that being redeemed. The second was sanctification. Being made over into the image of Christ. And that third aspect, glorification. That time in future history when the consummation of all things comes and we're in our glorified bodies and uh, it will be... Worth it all when we see Jesus. I'm looking forward to that day. I love the fact that even though it seems like an eternity so far, that 75 year span, that first part that we have to knock out, I'm so glad that this is as bad as it gets. And once we, once we leave this life on this planet, if my eschatology is right, and I think it is, uh, then we've got this thousand year co-reign with Christ, which is really cool. And then we go into eternity future, which is even cooler. I'm looking forward to what's ahead. Therefore, it's a great idea for me to set a regular alarm on my spiritual smartphone that it will go off and alert me to the gospel because it's just not human nature for me to walk around and, and say, and the gospel, to everything that's happening in life. I've got a red light, and the gospel. I'm making a left-hand turn, and the gospel. My wife is calling, and the gospel. see, I'm just not going to always attach the gospel to everything. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't get anything done because we're so gospel-focused, but I would say that we're not even anywhere near that kind of imbalance yet. The second alarm that that we need to set in our lives is... That And these are things that we just need to check on every once in a while. We need to make sure that we're certain of our salvation. The second one, we need to make sure that we are certain of our calling in Christ Jesus. Growing up in the church somewhere along the way, I don't know if they proclaimed it, or if somehow I just kind of intuitively adopted this idea, I thought only missionaries and preachers maybe even full-time christian workers like a pair of church organizations maybe those guys it's like two and a half right those guys got half credit though those were the ones who were called they had a calling on their life i remember in church you know bubba walking down the aisle and the, talking to the pastor and the pastor's talking to him and then bubba says I believe tonight God put a calling on my life to become a pastor. And we kind of got excited about that. I'm not saying that pastors aren't called. Of course they are. But if you were to look around this room, every person in this room who is redeemed in Christ is called by God to be a functioning member of the church. We all have a calling. Here's the part I struggle with as I'm just looking around and trying to assess where where are we in our culture today? I think that we go, you know, there's two groups of people. There's the clergy and the laity, them and us. No, it's just us. We are the church. People will talk to me and they'll say, so what do you do? Now, guys, I sell stuff, so that makes me a salesman. I know you just kind of went, right? Because America doesn't respect the salesman. But that's okay. I I love you too. Uh, And and I cut my teeth door to door. I had to become the guy I hated (laughs) for a few months of my life. And God literally said, this is the job I want you to do to feed your family. So I said, you know what? We need good Christian door to door salesmen out there. So I'm going to be salt and light on the doors. And I went out there and I, with faithfulness, pounded on a door and I sold pest control Contracts, aren't you? You guys are going. Oh, I've got warm fuzzies about you right now. Now I also travel as a salesman, so I guess you could say I'm a traveling salesman. Yeah, I'm just I'm winning points left and right. Can we edit this from anything that'll be posted? Okay. But the question is, am I called to be a traveling salesman? I mean, I'm just a church member. Just get that out of your language. I am a member of the body of Jesus Christ. I am a body part, a part of a whole, and that as the parts all work together, we, we accomplish the will of God. You see, if, if the only alarm we ever set is salvation, we get into the rescue boat, but to no purpose. Okay, check it off the list. I'm going to heaven. I get to live however I want, do whatever I want, just so long as when the when the hearse comes to take me away, they all know I have the box checked. I have an uncle. When he passed away, the only thing we could hang his salvation on was a decision he had made 37 years ago. Could he be in heaven? He could be. Here's the hard part. I don't think he will be. I don't know. I hope I'm wrong. I'm glad I didn't have to preach that uncle's funeral. If I did, I would have said something along these lines. If uncle so-and-so were here, what he would be most concerned with is that you know for a fact that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. I think the second thing he'd be concerned about is that not only do you know you're going to spend eternity in heaven, but that you know what your function is in the body of Christ and you're spending yourself to accomplish that. There is no greater feeling in this world than when we're doing what God's called us to do. When we're functioning in that gifting that He's given us to do. Let's, let's get to some passages here. But before we do, I, I need to do what He's called me to do that I may reach who He has called me to reach. So tonight, the alarm label that we would put on our smartphone is, know your calling. If you don't know yet what you're called to do in the body of Christ, figure that out. And then once you figure it out, you need to own it. Don't apologize for it. You do what God's called you to do without reservation or hesitation. So how do I know and own my calling? Four standards I'm going to give you tonight to consider on the quest to know and own your calling. And this all came out of, this was a side swipe kind of thing. I'm minding my own business, doing devotions and daily Bible reading. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit did one of those, boom. And I went, hmm. So the order of these scriptures are not in order of importance. I didn't put the first one first because it's the most important. I did the first one first because it was the first time the Holy Spirit said, now chase this thread and pull it to, to its end. And then even after that, he said, and guess where you get to share this message? Mobile, Alabama. So here we go. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. We got a few passages that we're going to look at. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you're taking notes, if if you're a note taker like me, I take short notes. If you're going to write one word down, write the word valuable. Okay, but if you're going to do a whole sentence, we have a calling that should or is to be a valuable calling. We have a calling that's to be valuable. That's the first standard that we're looking at. It's not some empty. Hollow calling. It's got worth. And this was the passage, I, 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 okay, so I've already told you I geek out about Scripture. One of the categories of Scripture that has been very helpful to me in my walk with Christ, uh, especially the Apostle Paul, but anywhere I can find it, but I love it when the Apostle Paul says, and this is what I pray for you. I, I just, I've never been, I didn't, I didn't come out of the, the spiritual womb as a prayer, a strong prayer guy. And I've always struggled with how do I pray? Now, I'm a guy of many words. So when I read Matthew chapter 6 and he says, don't be like the Gentiles who think they'll be heard for their many words, I go, okay. So I'm not talking God. Like I can talk you into something just beat you down with my words. So I don't want want to take that approach with the Lord. Yet it's interesting here that as he's praying for the Thessalonians, he says, to this end, we pray for you always. I also love this, by the way. There's a little challenge I gave to myself. I'm going to share it with you. When you text somebody, email or send a handwritten note if anybody ever do that anymore anybody still write with their hands either way uh, when you say to a friend brother sister in Christ I'm praying for you put the word that behind it and then fill in let them know I love it when I get in fact this is uh, this is off script but who cares you love Jesus so you've got to love me and uh, here she is <clears throat> now this is going to take maybe two minutes uh, but we're Americans. So that's an eternity. But you can you can handle it, okay? Uh, colon. This was today, this afternoon. I'm minding my own business. I get this text. The Lord's brought you to mind multiple times the last few days. I wanted you to know that we are praying for you. Now, most people would just stop there, but this person says, "I wanted you to know we're praying for you in your uh, painful distress, and for you and for your family, just in general." and I don't even know that this person knows I'm I'm preaching this weekend, but just a member of the church, praying that God would ease your pain and that God would comfort you in your suffering and give you peace even if He does not remove the pain like Jeremiah. As he recounts his affliction and suffering, though God doesn't take it away, may your eyes like Jeremiah's be turned to look upon the goodness and faithfulness of God even in the midst of chaos and pain. She can pray for me any time. We're not even done. I just had to stop it right there. Then she says, may the Lord be your portion and your hope. I mean, I'm just like, I'm like, we need to pray for each other like this more, man. Then just in case all of that wasn't encouraging enough, she copied and pasted some scripture. And again, I don't think it was like, uh, uh, I'm going to copy and paste three chapters, you know. But it was just a couple of verses. But this I called to mind. And uh, by the way, this is out of Lamentations. I mean, who reads Lamentations anymore? Anyway, okay. Uh, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the soul who seeks Him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. That's Lamentations 3. I'm going to start reading Lamentations more. I like what I'm reading right there. Paul says, to this end, we pray for you always that our God will count you worthy of your calling. Mom Sutton had a calling to make a ministry out of the janitorial service she offered Southeastern Bible College. And not only did she do it with excellence, but she trained other employees how to muse upon the Master. uh, she, She lived out that quote that I've heard. There's music in the mundane when you muse upon the Master. If you're going to clean urinals for a Bible college, do it to the glory of God. But fulfill your calling and make it a worthy calling. Anyone who's been in a restroom knows that if you're cleaning urinals, it's it's, it's a worthy calling. They need to be cleaned. Fulfill every desire. I pray that God, he says in verse 11, I pray that God would fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power so that the name of the Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and in him according to the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ will count you worthy. I don't know if you've ever gotten your house appraised or some jewelry appraised, but we're just trying to figure out how valuable is this. Uh, He says, I I want it to be appraised, counted, or reckoned as having value that corresponds with reality. Side note, Hebrews chapter 3. Turn there if you want to, I can just read it to you. Therefore, brethren, partakers of a heavenly calling, (laughs) you, you get to participate with God Almighty in His work. Consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, he was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house. Now, Remember, Hebrews was written to what kind of Christians? Does anybody know? I'll give you a hint, it's in the name of the book. What kind of Christians were they? They were Hebrew Christians! Yeah, that's why it's Hebrews! There you go. So he says, uh, he was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was in all his house, basically the author of hebrews is saying jesus is so good he was even greater than a moses and for that culture they would have they would have got that they would have seen like moses 10 out of 10 so jesus well now we got to recalibrate our scale moses is going to have to be bumped down to a nine but that would have been that have been hard for them so maybe it's a 12 maybe we're just gonna make jesus a 12 on a 10 scale for he has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses by just so much as the builder of the house has more honor than the house. So interesting to me, as we've spent our time on Dolphin Island, we're just loving that. Thank you again for that. As we're walking down the beach, we see some of the weirdest looking houses, right? Because they got to be ready for hurricanes and all kind of crazy stuff. You know, but we don't see that in Cookville. You know, it's a ranch style home. That's the way we build it up. Middle Tennessee, we don't see much hurricanes. Uh, there but when you look at some of those houses and some of them are they've got this contemporary look and i, I drove past one day i went whoo that one costs a pretty pity the house looks really cool but if i met the builder of the house i'd be even more impressed with him than i am of even the house because the house didn't build itself it's the builder that gets the glory that's the point the author of hebrews is making we are partakers of a heavenly calling we are to consider christ because he's counted worthy of more glory than moses Jesus created all things and in Him all things are held together and the builder gets more glory than the building. Christ is counted more worthy than a Moses and Paul prays that the Thessalonians will be counted worthy of their calling. Now, as we talked just a few minutes ago about what a calling is, I did a little word study on it. It basically means an invitation. God has invited us to come join Him in His work. It's used of God inviting all people to receive His gift of salvation with all the blessings that go with it. Because we're so simplified in our understanding of discipleship, we think discipleship starts after salvation. Discipleship starts at evangelism. And evangelism, the goal of evangelism is never to get somebody saved. And again, I have to indict my home church. Not locally as that one church, but the whole denomination. Southern Baptists are known. We're known for getting out there and sharing the gospel and getting people rebirthed. What we're not known for is picking up the ball before it gets dropped. Discipleship starts with evangelism and then transitions into uh, that sanctification step where we're training them the disciplines that we learn from those who trained us. As one who has been summoned to participate in a feast, have you ever been invited to a feast? In November, we got an email from our youth pastor. As a youth worker, we were invited to a feast at Logan's Steakhouse. I was going to tell you, I'm a human. Okay? I'm mean, I got weaknesses of a human. First thing I wanted to know was, uh-huh, who's paying for this? Some of you. Some of you guys are out there going, yeah, my Dave Ramsey envelope was a little anemic, you know, and I'm going, so now the youth pastor's calling for a party and I'm going to have to pay for me and my wife to go be appreciated. I wasn't bitter, you can tell. So I sent him a text. Hey, pastor, you guys can't be going back home and telling on me, okay? Uh, I said, hey, guys, who's paying? And he LOLs me, and I think he really did l. Oh, very L. Okay, I think he did, and he said, "I'm picking up the tab." Eighteen of us. Well, I'm a good church member, right? See, he's critiqued if he doesn't pay because then I got to pay. Now I'm going to critique him because you're using the youth budget to take all of us out to Logan's Steakhouse. Yeah, it's a lose lose. It's, it's funny because now that I'm just a church member, it didn't take any retraining to get back into church member mode, but. But I was invited to that feast. Do you think I showed up? I showed up hungry. Right? He's, he's taking care of the chick. Are you kidding me? Well, think of how much more God has summoned us to participate in the feast of His work. And here's the funny part. So many times that as ministers, and I use that capital M, little M, middle M, I don't know, just ministers. Ones who minister. It's like we get up here and we try to pitch the idea. Hey, we need helpers. Hey, we need you to do this. Hey, we need... And again, it's, a, it's that 20-80 rule, which I think is really benevolent because it's really 6% of the people doing 94% of the work. But I'll go with 80-20, whatever. Uh, and we're up there going to say, please, 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 would you help us as a church? When really what it is is, guys, hold your seats for just a minute. I know you're all going to want to sign up for this because it's a feast of work. And you're going to feel amazing and you're going to be blessed. And everybody wants to sign up to make all this stuff. I know that's not what happens here, but I'm just saying that's the idea. That's the idea. You're like, this guy has lost his... Okay, God calls us to participate in His plan. His plan. Now, here's the interesting part. The end of of God's plan is people. We're called to do good works so that others will see them and glorify the Father in heaven. Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you. That's a big deal. That's not like I'm suggesting... That's not like I'm thinking maybe you should pray about the opportunity of signing up. He says, I implore you. I'm down on my knees. King James might say, beseech. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. You know, it's just, I'm begging you. I want you to do this. I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Do it with humility, gentleness, and patience, showing tolerance for one another in love because people are hard to put up with. I just landed on you. Sorry. They're hard, and we have to tolerate one another, don't we? Can you think of somebody right now in this church you have to put up with? <laughs> can I can I I want to I want to encourage you with some hard truth. <laughs> this is not going to be encouraging. If God calls them home tonight, he will faithfully replace them with someone else you get to tolerate tomorrow. Okay? Uh <laughs> All right, the call includes conduct, character, speech, relationship, tax, works. But what I want you to do in your mind's eye, picture a funnel. At the top, uh, the broadest part of that funnel, you'd write the word redemption. Yeah, there's a funnel. Thank you, Kaylin. She got the funnel up there for you. So if you're writing out notes, you're just going to conduct, not conduct. Uh, at the top, you're going to write the word redemption. That's the salvation part. All have a calling in their life to be redeemed. About halfway down, I'd, I'd want you to write that word gifting or spiritual gifts. And at the bottom, calling. The idea is that all of us are called to redemption. And then each of us have a unique spiritual gifting. We're given spiritual gifts, one or more, but at least one spiritual gift. You have the supernatural ability to do something for God that that person over there can't do. And you have a supernatural gifting to do something this person can't do and vice versa because God said what I'm going to do is I'm going to put together a body of believers that have to need each other and then working together they all have to need me because they're not going to be able to love each other on their own or in their own strength. It's just not going to happen. Redemption. You're a new creation that that touches your personality. Your personality is going to going to be the same, but it's going to be a redeemed version of your personality. Your talents, your skills, they're all going to be impacted. You're going to carry with you your experiences and your scars, your education and your training. And then you're you're going to look at your gifting and say, "Okay, what Holy Spirit powered ability do I have And by the way, gifting isn't for yourself or yourself or yourself. So that after we're done here, we go to the awful waffle. I mean, the waffle house and and revel in the fact, look at me. Behold Babylon, which I have built. Right. It's not for my own personal application. It is for yours. It's for the building up of the church as a part of a whole and a member of the body. And I like to eat. I told you all that last night. I get several of you. I'm just looking around. I judged you. I know you like to eat, too. Because you laughed, You're like, what are you talking about? Because you laughed when I said it last night. Y'all are sensitive. Calm down. I just started thinking about which parts of my physical body are necessary to make me happy through eating. I need my eyes, right? My eyes have to look over and see uh, some, who I don't know who was in the room when I grabbed that uh, red velvet mini muffin. I looked at it. It looked good to the eyes. I needed my feet because this thing's portable. And they walked me over, my feet walked me over there, and I needed my hands, and they grabbed, now what if my eyeball said, hands, what are you all, you're grabbing stuff. Go to your pockets, please. Pretend that's in a pocket, cause the microphone won't let go in there. And then my eyeball says, I'm gonna reach out and grab this cupcake. That's just weird. And I need my mouth. And inside my mouth, and I don't want you picturing this because this gets weird too, I need my taste buds and I need my spit. And all that starts to roll around and you're you going, dude, this kind of gross. I don't ever want to eat a red velvet cupcake again. But guys, if we didn't have spit, and we didn't have taste buds, we didn't have teeth breaking all that stuff down and making that nasty red ooey gooey paste inside our mouth. And then all of a sudden I got dopamine receptors that are going, sugar, baby, Sugar. Mm. And then I need a throat because I got to get that chamber empty again, Jack, for the next mini muffin to go right in there. And that's a picture of the body of Christ. We need one another. It's fun for me to sit back as a leader. I I, I get to help shepherd our our adult Sunday school class. And we're in that age range. I mean, it's not defined, but the bulk of us are in this kind of age range where we have we're, uh, I forget what we're called, betweeners or sandwich generation or whatever it's called, but we've got kids of our own that we're, we're training in righteousness, hopefully, prayerfully, right? We're messing up more than we're getting it right. My kids know that I function, I lead from a place of weakness. Uh, and then we've got aging parents that live nearby. So we're also, you know, we kind of, uh, one person said it well, if I'm with my parents, I feel like I should be parenting my kids. And when I'm parenting my kids, I feel like I should be ministering to my parents. So, Wherever I am, I feel torn that I should be somewhere else doing something else. And then all of a sudden, life hits. Crisis is there. And I watch our, our little microcosm of a church body get together because there's, there's one guy in our class. As soon as he hears crisis, he grabs his Bible and he says, All right, I'm going to the hospital. I'm going to read scripture and I'm going to pray. Because when we're in crisis, man, and I want that guy to show up in my hospital room, I want him there. Because he's not going to sit there and do judgmental, condemning passages. He's going to read encouraging passages that are simple, that I already know, but I need to be reminded of. Like, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then all of chapter 8 of the book of Romans, which ends with death, where is your, is your sting? And where is your victory? And nothing can separate me from the love of God. And I want to hear that when I'm in that hospital room. But we don't have a room full of people with Bibles while running in standing in line. And now it's my turn to read Scripture. Because we got one lady who loves on you with casseroles. And I'm telling you, when tragedy strikes, I want her cooking us a casserole. Because she knows how to add just the right amount of real cheese. Like She doesn't use a fake cheese, she's real cheese. We have somebody else who comes in and they go, hey, we need to pray in faith. We've got somebody who's giving and they're trying to figure out how can we as a class pool our resources so that we can make sure there's not a lot of Financial pressure here. We got an administrator who stands up, self-appointed hall monitor. You know who you are, and you go, "Wait a minute! We want to make sure they don't get all lasagna for eight days. So you're going to go through me and tell me what you're bringing, how you're bringing, when you're bringing, and we're going to make sure we don't overwhelm them with food." You know that administrative person's in, in place, and I love to watch all that go through. And that's just the gifting. Now, when you get to the calling, there are folks who say, well, yeah, "I I feel called to preach and to be a missionary," but again. Every believer in Christ has a calling, a specific way in which they'll implore their redemption, that they'll use their gifting, their personality, their experience, their talents, all of that together for a very specific thing. This is the what, when, and where God wants me to do for the whom He wants me to reach. Three questions that you can ask yourself, because there are times where you kind of go, hey, I know what this person needs right here. I've been through this experience. I can help this guy out. So uh, I think, since I'm the one who knows what to do, I need to talk to him. Now I'm the personality, by the way, who always assumes that I'm the one to deliver the message. I mean, I suck oxygen out of the room. I just, I, I'm, I'm self-aware. I got it. All right. But then there's that other personality who never thinks they're ever worth anything. And why I should not talk. I shouldn't. I shouldn't talk because what if I'm How do you know when it's the right time to go and encourage somebody, when it's the right time to deliver a certain message? Here's three questions that help me out. First of all, am I the right messenger? Second of all, do I have the right message? And third of all, is now the right moment? And if I don't have all three of those, it's a great time for me to slow down and pray. But let me talk to that other personality that's always hesitant and and not really assured that they're thinking it's time. Uh, If you have all three of these, it's your responsibility to be a faithful or the wounds of a friend. It's your, it's your responsibility to go to your brother or sister and minister to them, whatever it is. It doesn't always have to be correction. It could just be something that like, hey, we got to talk and it's got to be for real. And you're doing the work that you've been called to do. Now we're back in 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. And he says, I pray for you. that You'll be counted worthy of your calling. And he says a couple other things. And he says, so that, verse 12, so that, The reason I pray for that isn't so that you can walk around and say, yeah, I'm great. So that the reason for it is for God's glory. It's not so that Timothy can can accelerate in his ego, status, reputation, money, fame, respect, approval, so that he can feel good about himself. So just in this little snapshot of what Paul prays for these uh, dear Thessalonian believers, We learn that the value of our calling or the value of our ministry to others is to be valuable to the Lord that the Lord would esteem it as valuable in keeping with the reality of our redemption. Guys, that can't happen in our own strength. God can and will accomplish it, but we need to pray it for other people and we need others to pray it for us. Before we wind it up tonight, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. If you haven't memorized those verses, I'd challenge you to memorize. They're great verses to memorize. Some of you are going, uh, 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 let me help you out. Uh, It's the one that says, and you were, um, oh, I was up in verse 1. For by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Just don't leave out verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Look at your neighbor real quick. Inform your neighbor you're God's workmanship. You're God's workmanship. You're God sat down at his workbench, and you're you're what he came up with. Isn't that amazing. You are his handiwork. And he says, God created you in Christ Jesus. For good works, that's your calling, what you've been called to, those good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Your calling, your calling, your calling, your calling, your calling, your calling, your calling is customized to you. And it's not what you have to do. It's what you get to do. It's exciting. I I always tell my family I've got this internal tuning fork. You know what a tuning fork is, right? And then I guess you tune a piano with it. I just know what a tuning fork is. But I I feel like um, I used to play racquetball. There's a sweet spot on the racket of a racquetball. I found it in tennis once or twice, but when I found it in tennis, I haven't found a fence high enough to keep the ball From going over. That's why I like racquetball. (laughs) But you hit that sweet spot and the vibrations transfer from the racket up to the elbow. It's the closest physical thing that I've gotten to the spiritual tuning fork within my heart that I have when I'm doing what God's called me to do. When He's called me to do it. To the audience He's called me to do it for. There are times when it looks like this. There are times where it's Nobody knows about it. It's one-on-one in a room, off to the side. And God says, here's your shot. Knock it out of the park by the power of my Holy Spirit. And I think to myself, batter up. That's cool. That's fun. And it's so different from the culture in the church I was raised in where it was like, and we need 19 people to make meatloaf for Thursdays get together. If you've been called to make meatloaf, then make meatloaf for the glory of God. Pray for the people who are going to consume this beef. They're, my calling is custom fit and it's intentional. It's not by accident. Any human leader can tell you half of our success, it's really war, but we'll just be, we'll just be nice to ourselves here. Half of our success is by accident. It's like, yeah, I meant to do that. God, it's always intentional. He's not sitting here going, "Okay, so how can I take what Brandon just said uh, about Awoken? Since he keeps making fun of himself, I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon." And how can I help Stan build a bridge? You see what I'm saying? I mean, guys, I say he's sitting there going, "Watch this," and we're going to revel in the fact that we've got men who love God, who are answering the call of God in their lives, and where they could be taking a stand at the local bar, they're taking a stand on a platform saying, this book is good, our Savior is worth following, even if stuff falls out of the Scriptures. That was all planned. I knew that was going to happen. It's intentional. It's custom fit. It's pre-designed by an all-powerful, all-knowing, capable God. He's the designer of the universe, creator of creation. He holds it all together by His will. He brings it into existence by His Word. And He lets us participate with Him. And while we're doing all that we can do to mess it up, He continues to accomplish it. Nobody mows the yard like their John Wayne. Unless you're a good daddy who has a four year old daughter who wants to help you mow the yard. I might have thrown a hip out that day. My wife was for fear that we were going to lose a foot, a hand, some. I got this, honey. It's self propelled. We got this. We mow, and and here, here she is, four years old, going, I'm helping daddy mow the yard. And God goes, you're starting to understand your role in my work. Because in my youth, I thought I had something. Huh, I know why God picked me for His team. His team's better off for it. God says, you're puny. Let me help you out with a little humility on the floor. And so we move on. The conclusion to which we come, God's called me... Custom design ministry. He's called all of us to a custom, and he's not going to. You say, "Well, brother Colin, that's good for you. Look where God's got you right now. You don't know the desert God's walked me through to get where I am today. Nor do you know the desert He's walked fill in the blank with whatever name you think is a successful Christian worker in their life." Walk through your desert. Learn what you need to learn. Get trained. Get equipped. Get discipled. But don't get discipled for your own personal benefit. Get discipled so you can turn around and invest that into faithful people who will disciple others also. He's not going to hide from you what he wants you to. Well, go. Cole, that's good for you. You know what it is. He's not a carny. He doesn't sit there and call you to his table and say, watch this, here's your will. Shell one, two, or three. Which one's got the little P in it? I don't know why we get these erroneous ideas of God, but if we ask Him, will you reveal to me your calling, custom fit, predetermined, intentional in my life? Will you reveal that to me? Ask any parent on the planet. If their kid came to them and said, even the bad parents would get this one right. Uh, I didn't mean that. Even the bad parents would get this one right. Daddy. Daddy. Would you show me what it is you want me to do? What role you want me to serve in our family? Go play some more iPod. I ain't got time for you. No! Are you kidding me? I was waiting for you. Because right now our family needs to function in this capacity and I need you to help with this. What has God called you to do? Reaffirm, reestablish... Check it. Consider it. Has God called you to serve Him? Has He called you to speak for Him? Has He called you to to function in this church in a very specific way for the building up of this church? And are you faithfully doing it? We have a tendency to get distracted. Life just throws us distraction after distraction and blocks our view. That alarm goes off and we go, wait a minute! (laughs) Am I really... Knowing and owning my call, we have a tendency to doze. We're just tired. Man, we've been doing our call for so long. I get that by the way, I'm finally old enough. I know what it's like to wear out. I'm just physically done, mentally done, spiritually done. There are times where I, I just I resonate with Moses. I get frustrated with the, you know people that God called me to lead. they're just dumb. They're just, they're dumb people. And you know what they would say? Takes one to know one. Because I am too. I'm just dumb. But man, is it hard at times to lead people and you go, are you not getting it? And God goes, aha, Colin. aha, you just figured it out. I'm going, I'm sorry, Lord, me. Are you tired? Have you dozed off? Do you need to wake up? you know your calling? If you don't, ask God tonight. God, what is it you're calling me to do? Don't assume that what you're doing right now, because you were called to it 10 years ago, is the same calling He has on your life at this moment. It's been neat to watch different people in my my faith walk who I've known, and God's just redirected them. Now I want you to do this. Now I want you to do this. Here's your assignment. And somehow it's okay for pastors, right? They get called to this church, then they get called to this church. Maybe they get called into missions out of youth ministry. But yet, as church members, once you sign up for meatloaf ministry, you're the meatloaf king for life, Jack. Do you know your calling? If you know it, do you own it? Are you doing it? Are you saying, hey, this is what I'm doing? And are you okay to train somebody up to fill your shoes and to pass that ministry on to them so that you can go find out what God has for you next? I am convinced that if Christians know and own their calling, it will lead to joy and peace in ways that are unexplainable even in the midst of trial and conflict you want joy and peace quit looking for someone to pour in into you and look for people to pour into the result you'll go to sleep at night exhausted you'll feel pain unme- immeasurable pain at times of your life but somehow unintuitively you'll have joy you'll have peace